Good morning, everyone. Let's stand together. We're ready to praise the Lord this morning. Amen. Father, we come into your presence, heart of joy and thanksgiving, gratitude. We worship you. I search the world. Sing with me. But it couldn't fill me. Man's empty praise and treasures that fade are never enough.
our praise, Lord. With our inmost being, we praise you. worth repeating, don't you, church? Come on. Oh, there's nothing
Jesus, we welcome you into this place. Jesus, the most powerful name, the most beautiful name. We sing out your name today, Jesus. Your name brings joy. Your name brings freedom. Your name brings deliverance. Your name brings healing. So we just speak your name. Just say his name. Just say the name of Jesus. Speak his name over your families, over your children, over your grandchildren, over your homes, over your workplace. Just speak the name of Jesus. As you do, the atmosphere shifts. Things change. There's so much power in his name. Wow. Jesus, we worship you. You were the word at the beginning. One with God, the Lord most high. Your hidden glory in creation now revealed in you are Christ. What a beautiful name is. What a beautiful name is. The this what a beautiful name it is the name of Jesus you didn't want heaven without us so Jesus you
You can be seated as we pray. Jesus, it is the name that is above all names, the name by which every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord and King. And Jesus, it is in that name, your name, 
that we come before you as sons and daughters today. We don't come before you from the outside looking in. We don't come hoping we can get into the, to the inner courts, into the most holy place. We come in with an all-access pass because of Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for opening a door and making a way where there was no way. You literally make roads in the wilderness and streams in the desert. And we are grateful today that we get to enjoy your presence And Father, it's my prayer today that you're enjoying ours too. As we are like children, singing, playing, dancing before you, worshiping with our heart, our whole hearts, our open hearts. We love you. We adore you. We commit everything we do to you you and for you. We consecrate everything we do here today for your glory, for your honor. In Jesus' name, everyone said Amen and amen. Good morning, family. Good to see everybody. My name is Jimmy Pruitt. I'm the lead pastor here at The Bridge. I want to welcome you if you are a first-time guest today. Thanks for hanging out with us. Thanks for being here and worshiping with us and celebrating with us. And the way we like to welcome our first-time guests here, you don't have to panic or anything. I'm not going to make you stand up and tell your name. All we do is we just want to give you a round of applause. So for our first-time guests, can we welcome them? See, that wasn't so bad. Is Now you can go, okay, I'm done. I'm, I'm good. Good to go. It's funny how people, we, we do, we worry about that kind of moment there. And for those of you that are watching online, thanks for joining us. And we welcome you uh, into, into this place. And thanks for letting us come into your living room today or wherever you are. And I would invite you, if you would like to, to, to uh, join us and get involved in a sense of you can follow along with the words. They're on the screen there. You can pray along with us. Uh, have your Bible ready. Also, get your communion elements ready, too, because we're going to celebrate communion in just a moment. And so do participate. Be involved. If you're watching on Facebook, let us know you're watching. I'd love to see the names. I feel like I'm getting to know some of you because I see a lot of the same names and from various places. And thanks for being with us and being part of the bridge today. So let us know. And if we can pray for you, if there's anything that you have that you would like for us to lift up, you see on the screen, info at bridgefbg.com. You can send in a prayer request, and I'll get that to our prayer team, and we will cover you in prayer and help hold your arms up. And for the rest of us, same here. If you need prayer for any reason, we want to pray for you. So there are prayer cards available outside those doors right there in our Connect Center, and all you have to do is fill one out, and you can either leave it there with uh, Shirley or whoever's working there today or any of the black boxes in the building. You can just put it in, and we'll be sure and get that to our prayer team so that we can pray for you and encourage you. So, again, thanks for being with us. If you have your VIP card, I would invite you to pull that out. These are available there at the Connect Center as well. What this is is... 14 people that are in your orbit that you're praying for. Seven of them on one side are people that need to come to Jesus. They need to have a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. The other side is for those who have, for whatever reason, gotten away from their faith. They've gotten away from the Lord. For whatever reason, life has happened, and uh, they need to come home. And so we're, we're calling people back home by name. So this is personal to you. This is, this is not anyone else's, but yours, and it's to remind you to pray for people constantly. Wouldn't you like to know that at some point in your life, someone had you on a prayer card and was praying for you? And so let's, let's do take the time to do this. Don't, don't hesitate. We want to pray for these right now. also going to pray for our churches and our nation as well. So let's pray together. Father, we lift up our, these very important people. They are VIPs of the uttermost to you. You love them. You value them. Jesus, you yourself gave your life for every person. 
And so, Lord, we call their names before your throne of grace. We escort them into that throne room with no fear, no trembling, only love, only acceptance, only grace. And we hold them up to you, Lord. And we ask you, God, bring them home. Bring their hearts back to you. Father, for the churches that are gathering across our community today, we are thankful that we get to partner with so many amazing churches in this community, so many amazing pastors and staff and teams, and we bless them. We speak life and blessing over all the churches in our community and beyond the Texas Hill Country. Encourage them. We hold them up. Encourage these pastors, Lord. Encourage them, Lord, during this time as as many are struggling with, with the weight and the extra pressures and stresses of this pandemic and other things. So we hold them up. And, Father, for our nation, Father, your word says that we're to lift up those that are in authority. We're to pray for them. And so, Lord, we want to be of those numbered who bless and do not curse. We speak life over our leaders, over our authorities, Lord. And, Father, we pray for them and hold them and we bless them according to your word, Lord. We posture and position them under your canopy of justice and authority. And, Lord, we thank you that there is a king that sits higher than any king on this earth. And, Lord, we exalt and lift up the king of kings. And we owe our allegiance to the king of kings and the king that we are, the kingdom we are citizens of. And we bless you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Everyone said amen and amen. Also, uh, want to give an update. This is very, very neat. So three weeks ago, we did Operation Christmas Child. It was the first year we participated with that particular program. And uh, so we weren't sure how this was going to go. So we ordered, we thought we could probably do 100 boxes for our first year. So we ordered 100 boxes. The very first service, not the second, but the first service took 70 boxes the first day. And then uh, that left 30 for you, and you guys went over and above, which was amazing because we only had 30 boxes left. But we ended up getting back 130 completed boxes. Give yourselves a hand. That's 30 over what we had, which means you brought, you did your own boxes, which is amazing and remarkable. So next year, we'll shoot bigger. We'll, you're expanding our faith constantly, I'm just saying. And that also has to do with the poinsettias, which I was informed uh, not to promote these because we've already sold out of all the spaces we had for that. So we're just going to have to start thinking bigger is what I'm thinking. We're just dreaming too small. So thank you for all of you who participate in that. We'll have those. They're already been ordered. And uh, so we're, we're good with that, and it's going to be gorgeous in here. So thank you very much for those of you who did that and participated. And, uh, and then also let you know what's going on on December 20th. I love announcing this. We're having another baptism service. Isn't that awesome? So we're doing that, and uh, I was asking Annette, how many have we baptized? Because she knows all the numbers, and over 60 people we've baptized this year. And so, amen. Isn't God good? Amen. Over 60, and so we're not done yet. So like the song says, if we're not dead, he ain't done, right? So uh, we're going to keep going and, and just keep winning people to Jesus and seeing people step over the line. So if you haven't been baptized, follow the Lord in Believer's Baptism. That's available to you. Easiest way to, to register for that is go to our website, and then under events, you'll see a banner that says you just click on it. And when you do that, it'll allow you, it'll allow you to sign up and register, and we'll know how many to expect and plan for. So if you want to do that, do 
uh, take advantage of that. And then also just a reminder, our year in giving uh, is in full swing now. We've had some start taking advantage of that. We appreciate that. We do have a giving portal on our website now that when you go to do that, and there's a drop-down box, and it'll have a space for a year in offering. So we're believing God. And speaking of believing for big, we owe about $900,000 on this building, which is great because when we started, it was 1.3. So we're doing great. We're crushing it. But would it be awesome to knock out this debt and not have any debt at all? Right now, as it is, we have two full screens of people that we're giving to, supporting, and blessing. And and I foresee many more screens. It may take a lot longer to do that after a while because we're going to have so many. But it's because we want to be generous. We want to be a clearinghouse for God's resources and good stewards of what he has blessed us with. And so we'd invite you to participate in that. Pray with your family about that. And then uh, step out and give. And we'll, we'll take that probably through the middle of January, give or take. We'll, we'll give more details as we get closer. But we want to let you know that's going on. And so, huh? Oh, thanks, Russ. Russ was reminding me of the handy-dandy gift bag we have. So, for first-time guests, thank you, Russ. I've given him total permission to tackle me if I ever forget something, so I may get hit from behind, So, um, which reminded me of high school football. So, um, so we have these for you. If you're a first-time guest, if you would, go to our Connect Center out there and fill out a Connect card, and we'll give you a bag, and it's got all kinds of goodies in it. And I'm not going to tell you what's in there. You have to see for yourself. So it's really cool, though. And uh, this is just to say thanks for being here. We love you guys and appreciate you for being our guests. Thanks for us for keeping me straight there. So as we prepare our hearts uh, for communion, i got to make sure I'm getting this in the right order. we got so much going today. All right. In a little bit, after communion, we're going to celebrate a baby blessing, baby blessings today. So that's going to be a super sweet time. So get ready to say ah and ooh a lot. So it's going to be amazing. But in the meantime, what we're going to do is celebrate communion. And uh, as I say on an ongoing basis, one of the favorite, my favorite things that we do. It's a moment where we kind of press pause on the drama of life, and we recognize and remember Jesus. I love the Scripture. And how it describes the last evening that they were together as they were celebrating. And I always think in terms of how they were telling the stories. Because not only is that things that we do around the table. We retell the stories and, and retell what we've done in life. The funny moments, the embarrassing moments, the amazing moments. Sometimes the hard moments are all shared around a common table. A fellowship table. And no doubt it was in any different with Jesus and his disciples. If you do need a communion cup, I want to invite you to raise your hand. We will get these to you. We've got some up here. And then some of you know the drill, but do, if you would, peel the top layer first, the clear layer. Look at me doing this with a microphone in my hand. If I can do this, anybody can. Victory. There we go. If you will, go ahead and get that ready. For those of you watching online, do participate with us. We're getting those out to you. So Jesus with his disciples on the night before he was betrayed, they didn't know what was coming next. They knew it was a little scary being in Jerusalem, being in that area. They, they had even been warned not to go back. But they were there, and they were celebrating a fellowship meal with Jesus. And you can imagine them telling stories around the table, just like we do. And in the midst of that, Jesus does something different. He says to them, when you're together like this, when you come together like this, I want you to remember me. And how curious that must have sounded to them because we have hindsight, we've got context, they didn't. 
they didn't know what was about to happen. They didn't know that what Jesus was doing was inaugurating his death in that moment. So he picks up a piece of bread. It had been unleavened, kind of a matzah-type bread. And he picked it up, more like a cracker, and he held it before him. He said, this is my body given for you. Given for you, not taken, but given. Nobody took his life. He gave it. And then he took a common cup, a cup of wine. He said, this is my blood poured out for you for the remission of many sins. And when he did that, the Bible says he blessed it. And together they partook of communion. So here's the, here's the basic meaning of communion. It is us celebrating our union with Jesus. So in this moment, can you just pause and just celebrate and say, thank you, Jesus. We're saying that name a lot today. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you for your life. Thank you for resurrection. Thank you for salvation, for mercy, for grace. Just pause and thank him right now. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we thank you for your goodness. We honor you in it, even as we partake of these elements, Lord. Your body, your blood poured out for us. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. So our team's going to come through. They've got trash receptacles. So if you'll hang on to that, they'll get they'll come around while this is going on. So we want to go ahead and invite to the platform our babies and their parents, of course, their families. And if y'all would come on up to the to the platform up here. Make your way up. You coming? There we go. All right. They're making their way up. And as they do, I also want to invite our leadership team, our elders and our leadership team, our pastoral staff, to come up as well. And if you guys come on up, you can come up over here and use these steps. There you go. Thank you. Perfect. We got the rest coming. Great. Can we bless them as they make their way up? That's great. So here's what I'm going to have you do. Step up here a little bit, kind of even with this, because we're going to stand behind you. While we pray for you guys. Awesome. Awesome. Wonderful. Beautiful. So what I want to do, if you guys would take a step forward just a little bit, because we're going to stand behind you guys, because we want to pray over you and bless you. And Crystal has something, has a gift for y'all that we want to get to you. And while she's doing that, I'm going to share something with you. So in terms of Scripture and what we're doing here, first of all, this is a, in the churches I came up in, we call it a baby dedication. I like the idea of a blessing much better because what we're doing is we're pronouncing a blessing over these children and asking the Lord to preserve their destiny, to not only seal it but preserve it. See, God has a plan for every person. He has a mission, a plan and a mission. And what we're going to ask the Lord to do is to cover and protect that mission and to define their purpose and to bring definition to their lives. 
And so in a very real sense, this is a prophetic moment for these children. I want to read this out of out of Psalm 127. Actually, Don, one of our elders, shared this with our team yesterday, and I said, that's the verse. That's what I'm looking for. So Psalm 127, no worries about the crying. I have six grandchildren. doesn't faze me one bit. You're good to go. Listen to this. Psalm 127, unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives to his beloved sleep. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. And I always think in terms of, of that picture that comes to my mind of a master archer who's drawing back an arrow and, and with just precision and skill and competency, they release that arrow towards the target. And they and a, and a master archer has no doubt where that where that arrow is going to land. They're confident, and God Himself is drawing our children back according to the Scripture and releasing them into their target, into their destiny. And the privilege that you have as parents, and the privilege we have as a church family, is to help protect and guard that heritage. So we want to pray for you, Crystal. Did you have anything specific? Okay, I thought you might. So. I feel like the Lord is just um, pouring out his favor on parents right now because, you know, we're in a, you've said a new era, not just a new season, a new time, but a completely new era. And he's going to give you strategy, very specific strategy for raising your kids because they're entering a very different world and they are not too conform and look like the rest of the world. So it's okay if they look different, if they act different, that means you're doing your job. But he's just going to give you that grace and that favor on every little growth in their life, every little change. You know, once you master something, once, once something becomes normal, they change it and you're, you're thrown for a loop. But he's going to give you strategy in each of those seasons. Um, and he's just blessing, blessing all these babies and all these families. Amen. Let's pray together. I'm going to invite you to do something you may have never done this before, but we like to extend our hands as a sign of blessing toward these parents, towards these children. Just stretch out your hand, and just it's just a sign of blessing. We want to bless them. Father, in Jesus' name, we together as a church family called The Bridge, we bless these parents. We bless these children. We thank you, Lord. They truly are a heritage from you, a gift from you. And, Lord, as such, we treat them as the gifts they are. We recognize the value that they have because they're your children before they're even ours. We speak hope, life, and destiny over them, and we pray for the parents. Give them grace in those late nights, in those sleepless nights. Give them grace and strength and endurance, knowing that every little thing they do matters. It makes a difference in the life and destiny of these children. So we hold them up. We bless them. We bless them. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen and amen. God bless all of you. Let's give them a hand.
Amen. Amen. You guys will head that way. I want to continue in a spirit of worship and our giving and generosity. I always want to say thank you for your generosity. We, we're finishing the year very strong, over 200000 over and above our budget. That's a beautiful thing in the middle of a pandemic, I'm telling you. And I want to say thank you, thank you for your faithfulness. God is good, amen, all the time. And all the time, he's good. And so I just want you to know you guys are making a difference. And I always want to encourage you and remind you that we're not giving to the church, we give through the church. And I look forward to the day when there's going to be a lot more screens up there as we go through and we see. So I want to show you our ways of giving, and it uh, should be coming up on the screen there. There it is. And uh, if you haven't downloaded the Church Center app, I want to invite you to do that. That's a real easy thing to do. And then you go to Fredericksburg, Bridge Church Fredericksburg, and then you'll be in. And that's like a portal for giving. It's a portal for getting connected to groups. It's also a portal for all the events and everything we have going on. On, and it links you directly to our website. That's something you can have on your phone. Also, want to show you the names of those that we are blessed to support. And as you get your eyes on that, maybe the Lord will highlight one of them specifically for you today to pray for. So if you'll get your eyes on that and look at that, uh, and then whoever the Lord leads you to pray for. Now, the way we do giving here at the bridge, we used to pass a plate like everybody else. But the, the pandemic has, has made a shift in that. So you'll notice the black boxes all around the worship center. And so during this song, as we worship together and celebrate, it's going to be a new song, but I think you're going to wrap your heart around it. We did quickly. First night we played it, we were like, oh, yes, this is amazing. So I want to invite you to really enter into the heart of the song. And as we do this, feel free to go to and make your, uh, give your offering there. And would you just pause before you give your offering and bless it? To speak blessing over it, direct it like a good farmer knows what he's doing with good seed, putting it in good soil, direct it where it needs to go, and God will honor that. Let's pray together. Father, in the name of Jesus, we are blessed, truly blessed. And, Lord, we honor you and worship you. Thank you for these children and these families, Lord. They're just a reminder of just one more reason why we do what we do. Father, as we give today, as we sow today, into the things of the kingdom. I thank you that lives are being transformed. We love you and we honor you. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen. amen. Let's all stand together and worship. Pray. 
Please be seated. We're going to turn the lights on. I know that's kind of a mood breaker, but there you go. And uh, we prepare our hearts and our minds uh, to receive the word that Jimmy would bring us this morning.
Indeed, God showed up. Amen. I love that that bumper because it actually talks in terms of what Christmas really is all about, and it's not just about more stuff. I think this year, more than ever, we're going to recognize that this year for us, Christmas is not about the stuff. It's not about the presence. It's more about His presence, if you know what I mean. And so as we lean into this year and this Christmas, I have to share something with you. Uh, about a year ago, I started seeing in my social media feed this, this show that was being promoted and advertised on, on Facebook specifically called The Chosen. And when I saw that, I just thought, oh, another Jesus film. Trust me, I've seen a lot of Jesus films in my 37 years of doing ministry. So I honestly, I didn't get excited about it. I didn't watch the trailer to it. And then finally, somebody came along and said, have you seen The Chosen? We're like, no, we haven't. And they're like, he said, it's not anything like you think it's going to be. And so I said I would watch it, which I didn't because I got busy and forgot. So, But then it popped back up, and actually it was a Mormon friend of ours who said, you're pastors and you haven't watched The Chosen? And it was our insurance agent, and we're like, okay, if she's telling us we should watch it, maybe we should. So we did. And I have to tell you, I was blown away, absolutely blown away. Not only do I think it's a well-done, amazing take on the gospel story and the story of Jesus and, and the human Jesus and the human disciples, I believe it is the next Jesus film for the next generation. And I think we're on the, on the cusp of something amazing here. They've done one season, eight episodes. If you haven't watched it, I encourage you to do it. But in one of the episodes, teeny spoiler alert here, in one of the episodes, they are, Jesus has been through the first few episodes picking up disciples, using those famous words, follow me. And there's a backstory to each one, how that came about. And in this particular episode, uh, Matthew has been coming into play. And you know a little bit about Matthew. Matthew, first of all, is known as a traitor to his country, and he's absolutely hated. He is despised by his Jewish brothers and sisters because he is a tax collector who now works for and along with Rome, who is the oppressive power that was in control at the time. And so his own family despised him. His own family lived in shame, regret, and disappointment that their son, who was smart and talented and gifted, had chosen to use it to now be a part of, what, of the oppressor's hand on their own people. And so the way the show sets it up is, is Matthew's actually in his booth. It's a booth that the tax collector would stand in, which actually had bars on it because they were so hated that violence could break out. There was actually a Roman guard centurion there to, to make sure that the crowd doesn't get out of hand because their people's livelihoods are being destroyed. And so that's how hated Matthew was. And in a moment in the show where Jesus walks through the village, walks through the city square there, he stops, he turns, he looks at Matthew, and he says, Matthew, son of Alphaeus, follow me. And at that moment, mind-boggling as it is, Matthew literally drops everything, walks out of his booth and hands the key to the booth to the centurion Gaius, 
And, and Gaius is like, what are you thinking? You're wealthy. You're the most wealthy Jewish person there is. You, you've got everything. You've got a great life. And he, he, he says, let me go. And he hands him the key and he walks away and he follows Jesus. If that isn't poignant enough, what happens next is even more amazing to me. Because as when Jesus makes the statement, Matthew, son of Alphaeus, follow me, Peter throws a conniption fit. Because Peter hated tax collectors. Everybody hated tax collectors. And if you know anything about Peter, his nickname should be Go Big or Go Home Peter, right? He was all in on everything. And so if he was mad, he was real mad. If he was dejected, he was really dejected. If he, was, if he wanted out, he really wanted out. And so he goes all big on this, and he, he runs up to Jesus and says, Whoa, 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 stop. Like, Jesus, what are you thinking? And there's an exchange that happens between the two. And, and, and Peter says, no, 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 this is, this is way different. And, and Jesus said, well, me calling you was different. And Peter's like, but, but, he's, but he's this. And, and then Jesus looks at him and says, get used to different. And I don't know if you've ever watched a movie, a show, heard a song, and a line wraps around your heart. And that line is wrapped around my heart. Get used to different. Now, when I think about getting used to different, I'm not thinking in terms of a pandemic that's happening right now and the soaring numbers that are going on out there and being reported. I'm not thinking in terms of Antifa and riots and protests that have happened across our nation, destruction of our monuments, trying to rewrite history. I'm not even thinking about that. I'm not even thinking about an election that's got everybody baffled and has caused so much division in our nation. I'm not thinking about that. When I think about get used to different, I think in terms of this, we have to get used, used to the difference that it makes when you give your life utterly to Jesus. See, Matthew walked away from everything. He had it made, but the one thing he lacked money couldn't buy, and that there was a God-shaped vacuum in his heart and in his soul that only following Jesus could fill. And did you know that in every one of you, there is a God-shaped hole? There's a God-shaped vacuum in your heart that only he can fill? No success no life going well, things are working out just as I planned. How many, that's probably not most of our story. If that's yours, welcome to the 1%. I mean, you're, you're in a whole other class. But most of us would have to say we have lived to a degree some disappointments and some disillusionment. I'm personally walking through my own disillusionment right now with our nation and things that are going on right now. I'm wrestling through that. I would be lying to you if I said I wasn't or that I somehow had a red phone to God that you don't and that somehow I get a pass on being stressed and concerned about what's happening in our world right now. I don't get a pass. I don't get a free pass. I get up just like you do, and I have to get the word just like you do, and I have to pray just like you do, and I have to be on my face before God just like you do. So now... 
we come to this Christmas season, and we were just talking about this this last week, like, oh, it's Christmas. <laughs> it's here. And there's only three weeks in December before we hit Christmas. So it seems like it was a short ramp up, and now it's even a shorter ramp on ramp to the day itself. And here we are. And now we're questioning our, our family's going to be able to get together. I mean, Thanksgiving was a debacle for many. For many, it wasn't. People went anyway. And now are we going to get to get, be together with our families now on Christmas? And many won't because of what's happening right now. So it's easy to sort of apply this line, get used to different with what's going on right now. But I'm not thinking in those terms, to be honest. When I think about this Christmas and it being different, I don't know about you, but it hasn't even felt like Christmas to me. We've only had like one cold day since this whole thing started, right, since summer. So that hasn't helped. We had frost one morning, I think, when we got up, but it just has not felt like Christmas. So it's very different this year. So how do we navigate that? And if you look at the title slide up there, get used to different, navigating unwanted and unwelcome change. Some people would say all change is unwanted and unwelcome, but truthfully, change is the only constant in life is change, right? That's, that's what we know and we learn as we grow older. But what we've experienced and what we're experiencing now is, is unprecedented, at least in our lifetimes. And now, how do we navigate that? And within the context of what's going on right now, how do we find ourselves? How do we find the box where we fit? Where do we fit in all this? Well, listen to this. If in case we think we've got the corner, the, the market on the corner, or the corner on the market of change, we don't. Because you have to understand, People in the Bible were dealing with it constantly. So what does it mean to get used to different? I want to share something with you even before I go there. C.S. Lewis said this, and you'll see it on the screen. If I find myself, if I find in myself desires which nothing in this world can satisfy, the only logical explanation is that I was made for another world. And I want you to, you to know something. You were not created for the world that we live in right now. We were created for a world that was pre-fall, pre-sin, a world that was a garden. It was the whole world was called a garden. That's what we were created for. So what we've inherited here, we were not created for this. You ever wonder why you don't fit? Am I the only one who feels like I'm a foreigner on the earth? <laughs> I don't think so. It's because you don't fit because you were never meant to. And what I've had to do, this is where my wrestle comes in. This is where my, my moment at the River Jabbok where I'm wrestling with God, I'm wrestling with the man, and I'm saying I won't let go until you bless me like Jacob. And I'm starting to feel a limp coming on. I'm just saying and as I'm wrestling with God, my wrestle is this. How do I keep my eyes focused on the real kingdom that matters instead of the kingdoms of men in this world? Because that is the only way we're going to be lifted above the line, to be able to live above the fray and actually 
navigate this unwanted and unwelcome change. I want to read something to you out of the Scripture. In terms of, we, I almost don't like that we so categorize these Scriptures around Christmas that it's the only time we deal with them. But this is so important and so critical to where we are, and it speaks to where we are. So I want to introduce to you a couple of people. Now, they're not just characters. These are people with real feelings, real concerns, and, and they're coming up on a, on a period that is hard for us to understand. So uh, Zechariah and Elizabeth, understand this. There had been 400 years of silence. Think about it. Heaven had gone silent. Now, I know personally we sometimes think, oh, I'm not hearing God. It's like heaven's gone silent. But listen, heaven literally went silent for 400 years. Theologians call it the intertestamental period. There were things going on. There was a rebellion, the Maccabees. There's all kinds of things that happened in between that 400 years. But it was literally as though heaven went silent. No prophets arose during that time. And it was almost as though many had forgotten because they were being crushed under Roman rule, and many had forgotten and had lost hope that their Messiah would come. The one hope they had was that their Messiah would show up, and he would come riding in on a stallion with a flaming sword and start destroying Romans right and left. They wanted a violent return of the King of Kings, and that was their mentality and mindset, but many had lost hope that that would even happen because 400 years, several generations heard nothing. No prophetic word, no voice, nothing. And it's at this moment in history, after 400 years of silence, that this happens. Verse 5 in Luke chapter 1, in the days of Herod, king of Judea, There was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah, and he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. It just so happens that Elizabeth is a cousin to Mary. All right? Anybody know who Mary might be? So so we've got some kinship and and connection going on. Verse 6, and they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. But they had no child because Elizabeth was barren and both were advanced in years. Luke is careful to point out that the reason they were barren was not because they had committed sin. He says they were righteous before God. In other words, they were doing everything right, and yet still they had this loss. They had this hole in their soul because she was not able to bear children, which for many was a scorn in that time. And they were advanced in years. Verse 8, now, while he was serving as priest before God when his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And this was a big deal. It was a huge honor. There were 24 divisions, and they, they served on a rotating basis the temple throughout the year, the calendar year. Now, you weren't guaranteed to be able to go in and burn incense in that most holy place. I mean, you were one veil short of the Holy of Holies. You were right there. And there was only one, there was only one, and they would draw a lot, and then you may never get chosen. It just depended on how the lot fell. So we have this situation where now Zechariah is chosen, and you have to know how excited his wife must have been. What an honor 
to be able to go and burn incense before the altar. Man, I mean, you were right there. I mean, the, 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 the Ark of the Covenant was right there. This was the most holy place. And you were going to get to go into that place and be before the Lord God and burn incense on behalf of the nation. Now listen to what happens. This, this is amazing. So while he goes in, the temple Lord to burn incense, verse 10, and the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of incense. So they were all around the temple praying because they know that this is their moment, that their sins, that there is a remission of their sins. And they are praying outside, all of them. And they're also waiting because there's a curious thing that they would do whenever a priest would enter the temple, particularly into the where the golden altar of incense was or into the very most holy place where the Ark of the Covenant was. They would tie a cord around their ankle. Why would in the world would they tie a cord around their ankle? Because here's the deal. You could not go into the Holy of Holies unless you were ceremonially clean, you were consecrated. And there were strict rules about how to do that. And if you didn't do it well, you could be struck down by the glory of God if you were unclean in his presence. So they would tie a cord around their ankle. And so when they went in to offer, make the offering, offer up the incense, the golden altar, all of that, when they would go in to do that, they had this cord tied to them in case they dropped dead in the presence of God. Because who's going to go in there and get them? Right? So outside, you see this cord as, as they're going into the temple. You see this cord moving. At some point, it stops, and they all go, okay, he must be there. He must be in the temple in the presence. And they all start praying. And then they're waiting to see what happens. And then let's see what happens. So while they were all out there waiting, verse 11, and there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. Now, we tend to read through Bible stories like we're trying to speed read or something, right? And we just go by these things like no big deal is an angel of God, you know, and he's there. Whoa, whoa, can we just stop for a minute? Take this in for a minute and let your sanctified imagination go. He walks into the golden uh, altar of incense and the incense burns perpetually there, he walks in, and there's a being standing in there. There's not supposed to be anybody in there, but there's an angel standing there on the right side of the altar. And Zechariah, listen to how the Bible treats this. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him, and fear fell upon him. Let's just keep going. Wait a minute. This man just saw an angelic being, a supernatural apparition. This being appeared from another realm, a spiritual realm, the supernatural was happening. The word supernatural means above and beyond nature, supernature, supernatural. And now he's standing in the presence of an angel of God. Now, what I know about angels through their description biblically and through others who we call seers who've seen them, I've not seen one, but I've had them described to me. And they're like nine plus feet tall. They are huge, imposing beings. So we're not talking about some little scrawny 90-pound weakling here, you know, a little chubby baby flying around. I mean, we're talking about they are warriors. They are warriors. They do spiritual warfare on our behalf. Flaming swords and, I mean, huge beings. And he was troubled. <laughs> 
You know, that means he was scared out of his mind and was about to make a Zacharias-shaped hole through the temple door. You know what I'm saying? He was like, I'm out of here. And fear fell upon him. Of course, he was terrified. Now look what happens. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah. <laughs> wow. Oh, thank you, Captain Obvious. Yeah, I am very scared here. Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. John the baptizer, who he became known as. But here's the interesting thing. This sounds very similar to another story that happened in another time with somebody named Abram and Sarai, who became later known as Abraham and Sarah. Look at verse 14. The angel goes on, and you'll have joy and gladness, and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great before the Lord, and he must not drink wine or strong drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. Have to believe it had to be the moment when Elizabeth and Mary met, and the baby leaped in her womb. There was some moment there. So the, so the angels tell him, this is how amazing this is. Remember, 400 years of silence. An angel, this angel, this particular angel broke the silence. Let's see who this angel is. Verse 16, he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go before him, verse 17, in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers. What he's saying is a new prophet will arise. His name's John. He's a prophet, a forerunner, to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. A forerunner is coming to prepare the way. And Zechariah said to the angel, listen to his faith. Listen to his belief. He goes all out. And Zechariah said to the angel, prove it. This is what he's saying. That's the King Jimmy version, by the way, the KJV. How shall I know this? Prove it. For I'm an old man, and my wife has advanced in years. Does that sound familiar? It's exactly what Abraham said when the angel showed up to announce that a lineage would come from him by which a Messiah would eventually come to restore all things. The angel said to him, so here's the angel's reply. He doesn't bat an eye. If he has eyes, I don't know. I've not seen an angel, but whatever. He just says this, and the angel answered it, I am Gabriel. Uh-oh. We're talking about top-tier angel here. I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. The angel Gabriel doesn't bat an eye. He just lays it out. Here's the facts, Jack, and look what happens. And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place because you did not believe. You did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. There was another moment, listen to this, another moment when Jesus, much later, obviously, in his ministry and his life, went back to his hometown. And he was ministering and teaching. And the Bible gives us a curious statement. It says he could not do many miracles in that place, in his hometown, because of their unbelief. You want to shut God down? You want to shut a move of God down? You want to repel what God wants to do? You want to hinder? You want to arrest? You want to stop? 
You want to quench the spirit, as the scripture says, do not quench the spirit. You want to be one who does, then just simply don't believe. Even Jesus couldn't do many miracles. Didn't say he didn't do any. He just couldn't do many. He wasn't in full form because of unbelief. So I've learned to do something as I've gotten older because there was a point in my time in my life when I wanted to know how everything worked. If somebody came up to me and said, oh, God just showed me something, and I'd be like, how? What do you mean he showed you? Tell me, explain. Or I just, I just had a dream or something. Well, tell me about the dream. What did they look like? What did the angel look like? What did Jesus look like? Tell me, describe this. I mean, I always want to know how. Or somebody says, I always want to know how, and I've learned to just say wow instead of how. And so now when somebody brings something to me, I instead of disputing or saying or pulling a Zachariah and saying, prove it, I just go, wow. So for those of you who have come up and shared crazy wild stuff with me and you heard me say, wow, <laughs> I just gave it away, what I'm doing, I'm saying, I want to process this. I, I, I am not going to stop. I'm not going to stand in the place of unbelief. Wow. Wow. You know what saying, wow, not how, has done for me? It's brought joy back into my life. It's brought wonder back into my life. And that may be a word for somebody today who finds themselves constantly going, how? Tell me how. Prove it. I want to see it. Wait, you have to convince me. Let's have an argument. Let's debate about it. Let's do a, have a theological sparring match. Why not just step back and say, wow? Yay, God. Yay, God. Way to go, God. And what I'm finding is that it's, it has softened my heart and my skeptical mindset to the place where it's just joy now. Why would I question your experience in God? Why don't I just celebrate with you and say, wow, that's awesome. That's awesome. Then I walk off going, Lord, I'd love to see that too. Lord, I would, I would welcome that kind of movement in my life. And you know what? Sometimes he does. So listen to what happens. So he tells him he's not going to speak. So in verse 21, the people were waiting for Zechariah. You know, they're watching that cord down there. And they were wondering at his delay in the temple. Can you imagine what, what Elizabeth was thinking? Oh, no. Did, did he do the, all the purification rites correctly? Did he, did he miss something? Did he forget? Is he laying dead in the presence of God right now? Because he took too long. They were wondering at his delay. Let's have the worship team just make their, their way back up. Verse 22, when he came out, he was unable to speak to them, and they realized that he had seen a vision in the temple, and he kept making signs to them and remained mute. He was gesturing, you know, like, you know, two syllables. I mean, I fear God. I don't know what he was doing. He was trying to do something, trying to, but he couldn't. Verse 23, and when his time of service was ended, he went to his home. He went back to where he lives. And look at this. After these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived, and for five months she kept herself hidden, saying, Thus the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among people. And so the thing she had wanted so badly and longed for, God heard her prayer and her cry, and he blessed her with a child supernaturally. So what does this say to us? Well, first of all, this says to me that a whole nation had to get used to different. 
Circumstances weren't the same, but everything was about to change for that nation because Messiah was showing up on the scene. John was the forerunner of that. He was there to prepare the way. He was there to do the site work, to get it ready, to get it prepared so that when Jesus came along, there would already be a foundation of repentance from dead works. And so John set it up, prepared the way. He's called the forerunner, and he came to announce and herald Jesus' return. And a nation had to get ready to get used to different. Circumstances are different right now for us in terms of what's going on in our lives right now. This, it's not even an elephant in the room. It's just out there. We all know we're navigating change right now in a huge way. And I keep hearing and seeing Jesus in that episode say to Peter, get used to different. So my prayer right now, and I want to invite you to pray this with me, is Lord, help me, give me the grace to navigate this new story, this new narrative that's being written that I didn't try to write, that I didn't vote for, that I didn't try to, it wasn't me raising my hand saying, yeah, let's change everything or let's release a pandemic that'll change the way we do everything we do. No, that wasn't me. I didn't willfully want this. It's unwanted and unwelcome change, but it's changed nonetheless. And I can either catch the wave and say, Lord, teach me to navigate it. Or I can do like that kid in my youth group out in Southern California who thought he would stand in front of a wave with a boogie board in front of his face. And uh, by the way, he didn't stop the wave. (laughs) The wave shattered his nose. So I don't want to be that one. Can you pray with me, Father, in the name of your son? I hear the Lord even just using a line from from a film, get used to different. Lord, we want to get used to the kind of different that positions us to be kingdom sons and daughters, that positions us to be expectant that you're moving, that you're working, that here in the last of the last days, we're actually in one of the most exciting times to ever be alive on the planet. So, Lord, give us perspective. Give us a different vantage point so that we can see the events of our world not as something to destroy us or inconvenience us or change our way of life, but we can see them as a setup for the second return of Christ, for the renewal of all things that Jesus himself said would come upon his return. So, Lord, position us, posture us to see the beauty of in everything, not the tragedy, not the fear, not the brokenness, but the beauty and the grace. Teach us that our first response, not our second, but our first response would be, wow, wow. Not how, but wow. Yay, God, go, God. I know you're up to something, Lord. Unlike Elvis, you have not left the building. You are still very much present. You are on your throne. You are sovereign. You are in control. And according to biblical prophecy, the craziness that we're experiencing should not be foreign to us. So I thank you in advance for the grace to navigate unwanted and unwelcome change. 
And I pray for my friends and family here and those watching online. Lord, would you release grace upon grace upon us to have a different outlook and a different view upon what we're experiencing right now and it's in this time. We trust you. Could you just, in your own way right now, just under your breath, just tell the Lord that you trust him. Just make that a declaration today that I trust you. I believe you. I welcome your work in my life. I'm dependent on you, God. I'm connected to the vine. I receive the ministry of your Holy Spirit, the comfort of the Holy Spirit, the counsel of the Holy Spirit, the help the Holy Spirit offers. I receive it all. And, Lord, I pray for my friends the same. We love you and we honor you in Jesus' name. Everyone said amen. Let's all stand together. Let's go out with a blessing today.
Church, he is for us. Amen. You are blessed. He is favor is upon you. God bless you as you go.